0: Wanted to start this podcast to share hunting stories of my experiences and what i've done over the years there's so much more that is involved in hunting than just pulling the trigger and killing an animal we want to be inspirational educational but we also want to have a good time and teach you how to have a good time as well and on this week's episode i have ty mccoy he is woodcock maniac on instagram
1: you know for the last three or four years we've started right at the canadian border in minnesota and then as we come home the missouri season starts pretty quick we hunt arkansas into december this year we're gonna travel to louisiana so we can hunt them border to border since i got the first pointing dog we haven't deer hunted i hadn't sat in a deer stand since the year we got rose and my boy he's like man this is way better dad elmer smith i've read his books he's like in the bird dog hall of fame he kind of believes that the birds are smelling exhale at ground level. And the more I'm around bird dogs, I'm kind of starting to believe that. Mine don't care about Tweety birds up in the brush a foot off the ground, but they'll go one point and you'll flush a rabbit. Now, do they know that's a rabbit? I don't think so. Welcome to Hunting Day with Stephen Robbins. Now for your host, Stephen Robbins.
0: All right, guys and gals, welcome back to another episode of Hunting Day. And on this week's episode, I have Ty McCoy. And Ty is from Arkansas, and you may have already heard of him. He is Woodcock Maniac on Instagram. And as you can imagine, on this episode, we're going to talk about woodcock hunting. So, Ty, thanks for coming on.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. You bet. I appreciate, it. appreciate the opportunity.
0: Yes, sir. We're excited to have you because woodcock hunting is a fun time to hunt. And uh, just like any type of upland bird hunting, it's very. Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Very sensory. Um, I like to call it sensory overload because you're looking listening <laughs> and walking, and uh, it's a great time. It really is. So let's, uh, if you don't mind, give uh, give the listeners a little bit about your background, what you do and who you are, and then we'll get right into it.
1: Ty McCoy and live in the northwest corner of Arkansas. And uh, anybody that's been here, and especially the folks that are upland hunters, think what, what in the world are you doing with pointing dogs in Arkansas? The, the quail are just about gone, you know, the, because of a lot of habitat issues. Quail Forever is doing a lot uh, to try to bring that back, but there's been such an influx of population growth that it's just hard to get it back. And we're on the Ozark Plateau, and a lot of folks try to be cattlemen out here. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Fescue and uh, and Bermuda is not what uh, upland birds, especially quail, want. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it kind of started out of uh, necessity. I I always had Labradors. um, And about five years ago, I hunted with a buddy of mine, Bruce DeYoung. And I wouldn't be doing any of this if it wasn't for Bruce, but hunted over his Britneys uh, at a preserve, actually, towards the end of the season. I'd kind of been working with the lab that I had. And uh, I thought, man, I've got to play this game with these pointing dogs. And uh, I got a pup from him. And, again, we live in Arkansas, so, like, what else am I going to hunt? I never – five years ago, up until five, six years ago, I didn't know what a woodcock was. And uh, started hunting with Bruce. He, he he really focuses in on them and about the, the only guy around here that I knew at the time. And even now, really, like, he, he's just – he's been a really – cool mentor for me and uh, and wouldn't have the dogs if it wasn't for him at least the dogs i have but yeah we there's really nothing else to do to as far as upland birds and uh these birds come through us to get the wintering grounds when the ground starts freezing up and they come back through us in the spring so we get a chance to train dogs in the spring without shooting um but yeah to be in this part of the state uh You know, I'm not gonna give you my spots, but right. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's just, and and I've just ever since I was a kid, I don't care if they're cow dogs or, or you know, bird dogs, whatever. I enjoy watching dogs work, and uh, I'm to the point now. My oldest one, she's uh, just turned four, and I've got a uh, It's a full sister to her, uh, but about three and a half years between them. So I've got another one coming up, but. Uh, I'm to the point now that sometimes I forget to pull the gun up. I enjoy watching the dogs. I enjoy the dog work. And, uh, the main thing, like we talked before, uh, I really like taking folks that have never experienced it. That's a, I have a list that's building of people that have killed or seen their first woodcock over Rose. And it's a, it's a pretty neat deal.
0: Oh man. That's awesome. So Rose is your dog. She's a Brittany, four years old. And, uh, now you had mentioned, Woodcocks fly through in the fall and winter and then they fly back through in the spring and you do your, you do training and you keep your dogs up to, you know, kind of in hunting shape through the spring. Now, have you noticed or is there, does it, does it affect them hunting them and not shooting birds in the spring versus hunting and shooting with them in the winter?
1: Man, you know, I always had that worry, but there's so many, and I don't play the game. I don't play the field trial games or any of that. But you know, you take these, you take these field trial dogs. They never put a bird in their mouth. Yeah, like you know, at an AKC field trial, the dog goes on point. The handler walks in, flushes. They'll, they maybe shoot a blank. You know, and and the dog just goes to find another one. Like I, I worried about that years ago, and now's like. They just want to find another one. Yeah. And even the retreat, even the retrieve, you can tell when they, when you, some, when I kill a bird dog brings it back, they're like, take this thing. So I can go find another one. That's oh, all they care about. Oh, that's awesome. But, but uh, no, to answer your question, I, I haven't seen it. And, and it's, you know, I raised some homing pigeons for training, but nothing, nothing like, like wild birds can teach the dogs how to have a Cause the, if they get too close, the bird's gone. Yeah. You know, so, um, but just like habitat-wise here, man, anybody that's – if you're in one of the travel corridors, which, you know, is is the the southern U.S. and, and central U.S., uh, kind of east-central, you know, we're, they're kind of an east-coast bird. Yeah. So we're, we're about on the western edge of them. Um, but like down here, it'll never take off down here because it's in the middle of deer season. Yeah. And nobody wants to chase this stuff. I remember last year my son was with me, and he's 16 now. And, uh, we were in, uh, Missouri hunting and I I turn around, he's not around, he's not with me. And I see him and he's hung up in some green briars, you know, and I said, Hey, you want to be a woodcock hunter? And he kind of gave me this look and said, I I don't know, dad, I don't know. I just don't know yet. (laughs) (laughs) So they're in, they're in some nasty stuff when they get down here. Uh, just an amazing bird, man. And, And as a believer, they like, and we have some honeybees here at the house too, and, like you can't tell me all that happened just by happen chance happenstance, you know. Like, right. Uh, the fact that they migrate from Canada, winter in Louisiana, and fly only at night when they're in the when they're in their migration pattern, like at 100 feet elevation. What? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's a pr- pretty neat deal. It points towards a, a designer. It's pretty cool to see.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And
1: the reason they migrate, I know most of the folks know, but. You know, they most of their diet is earthworms. Yeah. So when the ground starts freezing, they start heading south. And same thing, the way we get to, to play with them on training in the spring is things start thawing out, they head back north.
0: I like it. I like it. Now, weren't they originally like a shorebird that went rogue? Is that correct me if I'm wrong?
1: Well, like the, we still have snipe. Yep. They're in the same family, but... You know the snipe is still a shore bird, but okay. but you're gonna woodcock. Woodcock are gonna be in the timber. They call them timber doodles, uh, mud bats. You know, I mean they're they're gonna be they're gonna be in the timber, and well, in my experience, I have never seen. You know, when you're when you see the birds around big bodies of water and and uh, in the marshes, it's yeah. gonna be snipe.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Good deal.
1: Which they look a lot like, you know, the long bill and, and but snipe are a little taller. Okay. L- longer legged.
0: Yeah. My buddy went up to, uh, I believe it was Northern Wisconsin this past, uh, summer and they were banding baby snipe and, uh, Uh, yeah. And it was really, really unique because he was explaining to me that they're like a baby snipe, their legs are as big as they're going to get. So they've got these big legs (laughs) and then, you know, their bodies, yeah, their bodies fill out as they age, but their legs and feet stay the same. So it's kind of, it's kind of oh, funny. funny. And, that's uh, funny. but it was a really cool experience. He said, because, you know, he, he follows the migration as best he can w- when he's not working and we work a lot. I, we work together up here. And, uh, but yeah, he, on his days off, if he gets a significant amount of time, we typically get two weeks off each month and, uh, but if he can, he follows them from Northern U S all the way to the Southern U S and uh, he's yeah. up
1: with it. that's kind of my, you know, for the last, uh, three years, four, three or four years, we've started in right at the Canadian border in Minnesota. Yeah. And that's kind of how we start our season. And then as we come home, the Missouri season starts pretty quick. And then we hunt Arkansas into, into December and, uh, but this year we've already been talking. I think we're going to travel to Louisiana, so we can hunt them kind of border to border, and and uh, oh, that's awesome. um, get on them down there in the wintering grounds.
0: Yeah. So for me, woodcock hunting happens as a kind of like a byproduct of, unless yep. I'm with Chad. Chad, Chad who really like to target them, and uh, but I also at the same time I go and hunt. Um your pheasants quail chuckered with chad as well and so chad has a Brittany, and uh, her name is dolly and she's amazing and uh we when he first got her she had been trained on uh chuckered and so we weren't sure like is she gonna take the pheasant and what we found is they there are they want birds and so oh yeah once they do not yeah, she didn't discriminate and she she's she's amazing. She is absolutely amazing. And uh she's like I I love her as a dog, but then I even love her to hunt over. And like you said, it, you know, it's it's one thing to you know, go out and shoot birds and have fun, but it's another thing to just go out and watch her work and not shoot birds. It's just as like it's just as rewarding to me because for her to do what she does, what she was basically designed to do. yep, yep. It, It's amazing. And I love it. And, um, I just wish I could do more of it with her and with Chad as well. He's got multiple dogs now. He's got, um, I think four bird dogs now and they're all birdie is all get out and they're just great at what they do. And it, but he puts a lot of time into them. He, he hunts them as much as he can. And, uh, You know, one thing that he, uh, he, when we first started, I was a 12 gauge guy, right? I was shooting everything with a 12 gauge. And, uh, then he's like, no, this is a gentleman's sport. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And I'm like, if you knew Chad, you'd laugh too, because it's like, (laughs) he's a great guy. He really is. And he, he picks with me a lot and he's really like, he's just a really good dude. And uh, so I'm like, all right. So I went out and got a 28 gauge, a 410, and uh, so then we started going after them with sub gauge. And uh, so and then we got to a point where like I would shoot them as shoot, soon as a bird would come off the ground, and I knew they were clear of the dogs. I'd shoot them. And he's like, you gotta give them a chance, man. And he's like, <laughs> so then we got to say we'd say we would recite, God bless the USA. And after the A came out of your mouth, <laughs> then you could shoot them, right? And so, fair game. yeah, they were fair game after that. So we had a great time, and uh, it's one we, of, we
1: always joke about. We always joke about how like we're mad at them when the season opens, yeah, and start twelve gauge. And then by the time they get down here, I carry a twenty eight a lot. Uh, last year, I found um, I bought it from a, a guy on GunBroker online. It came out of New Hampshire. But a nineteen thirty eight Fox Sterlingworth sixteen gauge side by side. Oh wow! So I got I killed one here in Arkansas with it before I had my gunsmith open the chokes up for me. Yeah, uh, because it was mod and full, you know. So that'll I'll I'll start with the sixteen and then work my way to the twenty eight this year. But uh, man, even the even the woodcock maniac deal it all started as a joke. Like our first or second year up in Minnesota, uh, actually he a buddy of mine. We're both linemen. We've worked together for years. Uh, he has a half sister to Rose. Okay. And she, the first year and you're talking about a byproduct. like we go up to Minnesota really for grouse because we can hunt woodcock here, but we're, we're chasing rough grouse up there. And, uh, and then the longer I hunt woodcock, like I'm just enamored by the little bird and I find myself like hitting woodcock coverts more than the grouse coverts while I'm up there. Yeah. His dog was doing great on the grouse. And uh, she just, like, she didn't even care about Woodcock. Like, Rose would be on point. Maddie'd run by, like, you know, and he's mad, you know, hollering at the dog. I don't even know why I brought her. I'll just go back home. But, you know, this wasted trip. And one day, Maddie, we we find Maddie on point and shoot a Woodcock over. Rose got, I think Rose went for the retrieve. And by the time she got back, Maddie turned around and pointed another one. And on my GoPro video, it's on the account on the uh, Woodcock Maniac stuff. You hear him say, dude, my dog's a Woodcock Maniac and I love it. (laughs) So we laughed about that video for like the rest of the 10 day hunt and laughed about it for a year. And one of our engineers at work, she got one of those cricket deals. And I just told her, I said, hey, make me up a sticker for, you know, it says Woodcock Maniac yeah, and like with a Google image. And the next dove season, that's kind of how we all get together and start bird season. I gave everybody one of those stickers. Well, then that following that season, we're in Minnesota. Like, you know nobody does anything for woodcock hunters. It's all you know, quail and pheasant and, and all the all the pretty birds, you know, that everybody's worried about. Yeah. But um, so yeah, even the idea of like, you know, we sell a few hats and some stickers, and it, it all just started as a joke. That's so but it's awesome. pretty 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 neat deal. Uh, but on you were talking about the birds, like, or, or the dogs do they differentiate? Man, guys, way smarter than me. Delmer Smith is in the I've, I've read his books, he's like in the Bird Dog Hall of Fame, and he kind of believes that the birds are smelling exhale at the ground level. And the more I'm around bird dogs, I'm kind of starting to believe that. Yeah, like, mine don't, mine don't care about Tweety birds up in the brush a foot off the ground, but they'll go on point and you'll. Flesh a rabbit. Now, do they know that's a rabbit? I don't think so. Do you know, I've had them uh, point snapping turtles here in Arkansas. I mean, you come around the shop and dog locked up, like, what are you doing? And when I finally walk over there in the tall grass a snapping turtle there, you know, but the, yeah. So there's something to that. Cause why can I take a dog from Arkansas? It's never been on anything but pigeons and pin raised pheasants at a preserve and drive all the way to the Canadian border And her start pointing grouse and woodcock her first season. Right. Like there's something to it, you know, like they don't. And and even that, man, I, you know, you get into genetics. It's so cool that these folks have pulled all that out of these dogs, you know? Yeah. That's why I hate doodles so much. (laughs) 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 people give 1500 bucks for a for a half breed a mixed breed dog man you'd go to the pound just go get one of those (laughs)
0: right that's too funny we
1: have to have the purebred dogs or we lose some of this stuff
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh so on the woodcock so you you know you go up north and you're there for grouse but you buy a product you do hunt woodcock what's probably your favorite state to hunt woodcock in
1: and it's got to be Minnesota. Uh, I've told my wife since I started going up there, if it wasn't for winter, I'd move there. Yeah. It is just absolutely beautiful. And, I, and I, I think a lot of that comes from we can be up there 10 days. And the only time we see people is when we want to see people and we go into a little town. You know, it just, just the, the vastness of the big woods is, is just enamored me. Yeah. I, I love it up there. Yeah. yeah so y'all go up there. Uh, well, the first year, uh, we camped for a couple days in national forest and then we stayed at a fish camp okay. there off, you know, off a big lake. And, uh, and now we just like, we VRBO and, you know, we found this house we really like, and the, the owners are super great. We told them, Hey, this is grouse camp from now on. So we can't, as soon as we get our dates ready for the next year, I call her, they block it off. So now we, and it works out good. There's a big open bean field beside it. So we can air dogs. And don't bug anybody, and so it's worked out really good for us.
0: That's great. I like that. Now, you mentioned starting out with 12s, but now moving forward, you're going to start out with your 16 gauge, and you end up on a 28. Have you done any 410 hunting with them yet?
1: I haven't. I have one 410 that was my very first shotgun, and it is a Savage bolt-action tube magazine yeah you know cut, cut off short the hard red recoil pad and that's the only 410 I've ever owned okay. and even when my son when he came up you know strictly for cost of shells I'm like eh, yeah. you're gonna start 20 Yeah, <laughs> we, we can buy those cheap but and you know when everything went crazy with ammo that's not really the only reason I've even picked up a 28 gauge yeah I could walk into any Walmart and buy 28 gauge shells because nobody shoots it
0: yeah Fair enough, fair enough. Tell you what, you, you, you know, whether you're shooting a 28, a 20, a 16, a 12, like you're throwing, you know, lead, but when you're shooting a 28, you got to be on, on your game. I mean, lethal oh, shots are important. Otherwise, you're yeah. like, you know, and they, just, you're you know, making the dog work.
1: Here. Yeah, there's been this stuff for years. You know, they talk about how the 28 is, is, uh, possibly that like the most efficient load yeah you know uh, there's so i don't know in, in my mind like there's not as many of them but uh, a number seven and a half pellet at 1250 is a seven and a half pellet 1250 right second, no matter what you're shooting it out yep. of, you know so but yeah you just don't have as many of them
0: that's right that's right
1: so and it's funny because like you've hunted woodcock and like they're the slowest flying one of the slowest flying upland birds but it's like looking at a picket fence when you're driving 40 you know i mean with all the trees and in so much cover it's if they were in the open field man they it would it would be horrible yeah it'd be horrible for (laughs) (laughs) but they'll they'll make you look like an idiot in the timber
0: oh yeah you're Like you said, you're trying to shoot through a picket fence. I mean, you're in the woods and, you know, you got, they've got everything going for them and you got everything going against you, but it's just something about that hunt. It's such a challenge and it's a good time. And, you know, it's like duck hunting. It's like goose hunting. You're, you're with your buddies. You get to see your dogs work. You can talk. It's not like you're sitting in a deer stand and you got to be quiet. And I mean, that's that's good, too. I love that. I love to sit in a deer stand and just enjoy God's nature. But at the same time, when you can cut up with your buddies, joke, have fun, and still just get to be in the outdoors, it's awesome. And more times than not, for me, I come home, I don't want to say empty-handed, but not. I shoot way more than I bring home. I shoot more shells than birds that oh, yeah. I bring home. And uh, I'm okay with that, though. I love it.
1: You bet. You bet. You bet. Yeah, we, uh, you know, I don't, it just, you'd even look, it's a three bird a day limit. There's not a lot of meat on the bird. It's not why we're doing it. No. You know, and since I got the first pointing dog, we haven't deer hunted. I I hadn't. sat in a deer stand since the year we got Rose. And my boy, he's like, man, this is way better. Dad, I don't have to sit. You know, he'd always fall asleep. You know how it is. You you take snacks and you take, take a tablet to keep them busy, you know, when they're little. And now he's like, it's sweet. We get to talk and walk together and watch the dogs. And so even that's a cool thing. And my wife has went, she went quite a bit with me last year and that's cool to see for her to see because she knows, the dogs that want to, you know, the the thirty six pound pocket rocket that wants to sit on the couch with her, and and then when she sees them, the how they flip that switch. And I was so nervous about going to pointing dogs because my my uncle kind of started my love for for working dogs when I was little. He had some pointers, and 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 then has always been a huge duck hunter, and he always had really really high powered labs. But uh, you know, to what, I was so worried because I've been around like English pointers. You know, most of them that I've been around and I know there's a lot of guys that hunt close with them, but most of them like, yeah, they're great bird finders. They may be in the next County. You know, I mean, they'll, they'll hold their birds till you get there, but man, with these little Brits and, and, and and Rose has been in, um, in way out in Texas on, on, I got a buddy, another buddy that uh, has a lot of opportunities that I've been given because of our friendship. He has a huge place in Matador, Texas. And she's been on Bob White's down there. And it was cool to see her as the cover got sparse. It's cool to. she just kind of started ranging and started looking like a quail dog. Yeah. But then you get back in timber, and she's 40, 50 and turn around and come and check back in. And now at age four, Bruce always told me, he said, you got to give a Brittany two years. And it was almost to the day. Now, if I'm outside, she's just she's just laying beside me like a yard dog. You yeah. know? But when you put that bell on and you put that garment on her, it's on. She you know, knows. She
0: knows am time to go. Yeah. That's so awesome. That's awesome. So, Ty, like, what would you, if if I was new, you know, if I was a hunter, but I wanted to get into upland hunting and specifically woodcock hunting, what are some things that, you know, obviously I need a dog. Um, you, you spoke highly of Britneys, and I've hunted over a Britney, and they do awesome. But what's some things that you would recommend a new person to quail or upland or even woodcock hunting would you recommend that they should start with
1: probably join an organization okay whether it's quail forever because a lot of guys before i even met you know bruce i have a lot of buddies that i've met through quail forever um and then and i'm not a we don't even have a chapter down here but i'm a member of uh the rough grouse society and american woodcock society because you know, I've got some family members from my wife's side. And one day she stopped me on the, we live on a dirt road. And, you know, when I was a kid, she said, we should see woodcock all the time out here. And hunters just, and I said, you you know, they're migratory, right? Oh, oh what? You know, she was thinking, <laughs> but what I always want to say to those people is like, how much money are you giving to conservation? Yeah, You know, like, and I don't care. And I know, like, I'm not big on the banquet stuff and all that. Um, you know, we, just the, the, Rigmarole of a lot of the organizations, but you know what? I'll send my membership every year, and I'm still a member of Quail Forever. Although there's, I've never run into since I was a kid. It's the last time I saw a quail in Arkansas wild, but um, but man, they're giving that money. They're they're helping. They're doing all the work, you know. And yeah. my license fees are doing it. And so yeah, find an organization like-minded folks. Um, like as far as if you were if somebody's wanting to just hunt woodcock. I say go north, yeah, you, to, to just to kind of get a number of birds and 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 kind of see what it's like, you know, because that's where they're at, that's where they live. Um, but if you're going to do it down here, buy some shaps so you can walk through the nasty stuff. Um, and then there's so much, man, with with the dog stuff. We could go on and on and on. Stuff I've tried and worked and stuff that didn't work. And uh, but yeah, I think just you know because like I said, and I've talked about Bruce and. and uh, man, there's a good friend of mine uh, that I've met. He's in Missouri. Um, uh, Tim Baker is his name. Nottingham Kennels uh, online. He he breeds and trains English Springer Spaniels. So that was my first entrance into watching uh, a really good flushing dog on Woodcock. Yeah. And then through him and Quail Forever, I met another guy. That's just as crazy about it as we are. And he runs English Cocker Spaniels, like field bred, like not like your grandma's Cocker Spaniel, you know, that couldn't find the water, the food bowl with its nose. These dogs are phenomenal. Uh, but it's just that that group of folks that are like like anything else in life. Find somebody that likes the same interest. The easiest way is to do that through some of these upland organizations. And like this stuff, podcasts and you know, I, my drive to work and home is usually listening to podcasts. Yeah. My wife and kid make fun of me because I'm that old guy that doesn't listen to music anymore. But, uh, you know, that's I, I, it's information.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It is. And uh so one thing that I really got from that is network with like minded people and just about everybody that has been on this podcast. And I said, hey, if I'm a new guy. I'm a new woman that, you know, I'm obviously I'm not a woman, but if I'm a new person to hunting, what would you recommend I do? And everyone says network, find someone that knows what they're doing. Let them take you under their wing. If they, if they're willing and just be, be at me, be coachable. And if you're coachable, that's the best spot. That's the best place to start. And then obviously you got to get the tools and everything necessary. And that comes with, it may come all at once. It may come over time. It all depends on your, you know, what you have available to you as far as resources. But um, I, I like it. And something that you alluded to is you could do a whole segment on the dog. And I think that we need to do that. You know, we'll set up a time for you to come back on here and we'll talk about what you did, some of the mistakes you made, but what were the successes that you had as well on getting your dog ready? And, you know, I'm sure, and I think you mentioned earlier, the older she's gotten, the better she's gotten, the more she's matured. And so,
1: and I think patience that, is thing. that's what I tell anybody anything about, especially a pointing dog, just be patient. And I came from Labradors. And man, you know, you can take a 10 week old Labrador pup, sit, stay, heal, you know what I mean? And they're just like, yeah, let's do it some more. This is great. Yeah. But with these winning dogs, if you, you got to have some independence. Yeah. So you got to let them be a pup. And it, you know, and it sounds some, I've talked about it before. Like my wife always thinks that I'm, that I'm, it's derogatory, but like I've learned how to be a better dad. It sounds dumb, but I've learned how to be a better dad by, with these britneys because you know i'm pretty loud and i'll and I'm, I'm gonna get my point across and my son is man in spite of me he is turning into be a great young man and he's more his personality is like a britney like a lab man we can work drills 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 and they just let's go again you know no big deal yeah and these britneys these britneys are soft if they even think i'm upset if i my voice raises they're at my feet and they're cowering, and I'm like, Every, everybody's fine. Nobody, you know, nobody's yeah. upset. But I've learned that, like, even as a dad, like, there's so much, and I don't know. I know such a small amount about dog training. I know it's worked for mine. But I did make some mistakes on the first one. She's a, she's very, very soft. And this new one, my wife, you know, she's all the time. You have never let the other dogs get away with, you know, her what you're letting her do, but. I saw my first one and I want a little bit more independence. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm dealing with a little bit of the stuff that I'd, that I'd probably get upset when I was younger.
0: <laughs> well, and that kind of brings me to what I was going to add is I'm sure as the dogs get older and get better, you as a dog handler and hunter are, you know, you're getting older and you're getting better. And as a team, and that's what I really like about dog hunting. It is a team you know, they, they'll go do what they're trained to do, but they still rely yeah. on you to guide them as well. And so it's a team and I really love it, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely, we need to get you back on so that we can talk more about dogs. And, you know, I had Abe Turner on a few months ago and we talked about dog hunting and different retrievers and, and, you know, there was so much to cover. I'm like, dude, I need to get you back on here. Come on. And then we end up doing a whole yep. dog training episode. And so I think that's what we need to do with you. And maybe yeah. I'm going to try to set it up to where Chad can be with us because oh, that'd be awesome. Like he's ate up with this and I love it. <laughs> you know, like he, he has a real passion for upland hunting and it's, it's so cool to see it because it's been, cause I saw him when he first got dolly versus now. And just the maturity of bird hunting and the progression of how much better he's gotten, it's exciting to see. So I definitely want to get you back on and we can talk more about how your dog, how Rose works, and even your puppy that you got, how she works as well. And we'll, you know, we'll compare, you know, like you said, hey, I'm doing things a little bit differently this time than I did last time and we'll we'll cover all of it, but Man, we've we've had a really good podcast here. We're right here at the end of it, and I'm loving it, man.
1: Yeah, I sure appreciate it. Yeah, I'm I'm I'd totally sit down again. That's that's you and I geek out on that stuff. Yeah, I, uh, I I really really enjoy it. That's
0: I tell you what, like in what you told me earlier is you don't deer hunt anymore, and that's one thing that scares me because I love to deer <laughs> hunt, right? And I'm like, but I can right? see why. It becomes such a driven, you know, oh, I want to go here and do it. Oh, I want to go there and do it. And the next thing you know, deer season's over, you know, and you're, you've are yeah. you traveled all over the U.S. hunting birds and it, it, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just right. afraid that that's what's what going to happen to me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: because it happened. I got some, I got a bunch of rifles that sit in the safe. That don't get touched. <laughs>
0: yeah. no, That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Ty, if our listeners wanted to reach out to you on social media, what's the best way, what, what name should they look you up under?
1: Yeah. Woodcock maniac Facebook and uh, Instagram. Uh, and then we have a little website, but it, you know, I got a nephew that's all about that stuff he, with the website stuff. So he said, Hey, I'll take care of that. So, Yeah, we it is pretty cool, though, to see like we've sold some hats from Louisiana all the way to Minnesota and Michigan and that kind of stuff. And it is funny. There is just not a lot of folks in our area, you know, that are that are but which is Fine with me. It's like, you know, give you my. I'm not giving you my fishing spots either. Right. <laughs> oh, I, I just oh. send them all. To, now, there's a, probably a whole bunch of folks sitting in Minnesota like, that jerk, <laughs> he's sending all these people to us.
0: <laughs> oh, I like that. I like that. <laughs> all right, so one last question I got for you here, and it's something I ask everybody. If you could hunt anywhere in the world, where would you go and what would you hunt?
1: I'm going to go way opposite of Upland birds in Argentina on one of those dove hunts that you melt a barrel on.
0: Oh, that would be so much fun. I have a friend <laughs> that does that almost every year. And uh, yeah,
1: I've got the, that buddy of mine that has that huge place in Texas. He's telling me about it years ago, when we were grouse hunting together. He went with us up to Minnesota and he said, Ty, have you ever, uh, you ever taken your dogs to, to Argentina? And I was like, no. I said, how much does that cost? And he told me, and I was like, the day I spend that much money on a trip that my family doesn't go with me, like you had, I'll sleep on your couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said, that, "It's not the money. The worst part is the poor dogs have to be in the luggage compartment, you know, underneath the plane in a cr- in a crate and all that." But yeah, yeah man, that would be that would be sick. Like they just just get tired of shooting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that'd be a good problem to have, though, wouldn't it?
1: You bet. You bet. Yeah.
0: Well, Ty. I know that this has been a great episode for anyone that's listening to this. So I do appreciate it and I appreciate the value that you've given us and the, just the enrichment of everything that you've told us, your passion. I can sense it. I know that our listeners can sense it and I do appreciate that. I really do.
1: Yeah, man. Thanks for, thanks for giving me the opportunity.
0: Yes, sir. And to all of our listeners, I just want to say thank you for week after week, continuing to tune in and letting us be a part of your life and uh, that's that's something that's special to me and I do appreciate it and as always keep hunting and keep doing what God calls you to do.
1: Thank you for listening to Hunting day with Stephen Robbins. Don't forget to like comment subscribe. If you'd like to follow you can find Stephen on Instagram at Stephen hunt day and Facebook at Stephen robbins HD. If you'd like to reach Stephen you can email him at stephen.huntingday at gmail.com.